Hi, I'm Naomi Simpson and I'm so pleased to be bringing you Handpicked, my podcast. Now, the idea is that people get to ask me any question they like. They put me on the spot. It might be about whether to start a business, how to grow their business, maybe even how to save their business. On this episode, I'm really pleased to introduce you to Sally from Swish. Now, I met Sally socially in a number of different locations and she'd whisper to me that she was growing her business. This episode is all about leadership and transparency and growing a business from the front room to really a serious size business. Hi, Sally, and welcome to Handpicked, where you get to ask the questions of me. It's wonderful to have you here. So maybe first of all, let's just hear a little bit about your entrepreneurial uh, endeavour. So uh, we own a business called Swish. We have two arms to our business. We've got our main uh, focus, which is Swish Wellness. So that's a supplement business. Uh, we've got a range of products, I guess, designed for your inner well-being and inner beauty. And that's our core business. And then we have a second arm, which is a fashion and accessories range. We've been running for all together. Uh, I think this is probably our eighth year. We've had the fashion business for six years and our wellness business for coming on to five years. We've got a team currently um, in-house of 13 people and um, the rest are, I guess, contractors and people who are sort of, I guess, indirectly on our books. We, um, our predominant market is Australia. Our second biggest market is uh, the US and then Singapore. Globally, we do ship, so we're an e-com store. We ship to about almost 35 different countries currently that are our regular, where our regular client base is based. And we, I guess it's, we've had a a real uh, organic growth from year to year. And now is, I think we're in, because we're now, I guess our fifth year of our main business of wellness. Now we're starting to really expand and we're bootstrapped. So the whole way. So now we're really starting to think about how do we go to the next level? How do we start to invest in advertising and really, I guess, lift our business journey and our business profile? That's so such a great intro. So thank you. Now, what's your first question? Hit me up. Oh, all right. So my first question is about transparency for sales and revenue. Obviously, a team of 12, some people are directly responsible um, towards contributing towards those sales figures and the wider team isn't. And I want to know, and we've done this a few different ways over the last kind of five or six years, what, which way do you think is best? Should you share the revenue and sales targets with everybody, even those who have no sort of direct influence on the outcome? Or should you only like, I guess, share those numbers and the tracking of those goals with those people whose KPI it is to help move the needle? It's a really great question. And I understand the challenge, especially in a smaller team, because every time you make a sale, they think you're putting it straight into your your pocket and and that you're getting rich with every sale, which as we know, is not the case. And not everybody is financially literate in the sense that they don't understand that what comes in the top and there's a lot of expenses before any director or anybody gets anything. So I think that's really important. But there's two things I want to say. Firstly, transparency is important, especially in a smaller business. People want to know that they're working for a stable enterprise that has a future Mm -hmm. and that you are doing well. 
And the second part of that is they want to celebrate success. So they want to know, did we, did we do well today? How are we going against the rest? Have I got a future here? And so therefore, transparency is important. However, you do not want to overwhelm them with detail. Mm. So the second part of this is to find a metric which represents success but doesn't necessarily equate to a dollar value. So back in the day when I started Red Balloon, um, I I was very aware of the fact that people say, wow, that's a lot of money coming in. However, the money was not going to go out to pay supplies until the voucher was redeemed. So it wasn't actually our money. So it was really important that I let them know that there was expenses as well as obviously paying our supply community. Mm. So I attached the number to our big, hairy, audacious goal. Our big, hairy, audacious goal was to change gifting in Australia forever. And we knew that for every time that we served an experience, somebody gets impacted. And we thought 2 million by 2015. And it sounds so small now, given that that's what we serve in a a year, but... Back in the day, that was a a really, really, really big number. You were changing the industry, yeah. Yeah. And so one thing I did was put scoreboards where everybody could see Mm. and transparently how many did we serve today. So the amount, the impact we were having, not just on consumers but also our supply community. And it is still a number, even though we're part of the Big Red Group now, it is still a number that we count. So who did we make a difference to? So if you think about your own product, which which particularly a wellness and also fashion product, how many people did we impact? And then they can watch the growth of customer also knowing that you're looking for customer reviews and customers get customers. So you you increase the brand awareness by the more customers that you have. So you can tell them right back at the beginning, oh, the average sales size is let's say $100 or whatever it is, so that they know that there's a financial goal, but they're watching the business grow by the amount of impact you're having. So you mean, for example, let's just say hypothetically go, okay, guys, we we wanted, say, do 200 orders every single day, want 200 customers to have received our products and we want to, you know, I guess change the lives of 200 people every single day and then you make that the goal is that sort of what you mean is the better is the better way of doing it it's it, i would make it probably a bigger goal mm. in the sense that you might say by 2030 we want to have served you know 2 million customers or whatever ah. but then say hey this month imagine if we could do 10% more than we did last and yep. then when you get there celebrate with the team yeah, one exactly. year one one and this is way back in the day like I'm talking 2004 and um, I said to the team look if we can serve 5000 customers this month I'll buy lunch for everybody for a week and the scoreboard <laughs> was baked beans tin of baked beans in the office and everyone represented you know 500 uh, customers and then we packed them up my IT team came up with that scoreboard by the way so good I know and so so I said you know if we don't get there we're gonna eat baked beans or and as it happens everybody played and and the wonderful thing about hosting lunch for everybody uh, for a week is of course there was so much camaraderie and everybody shared the the shared goal well that's the reason why I liked it so we've done this two different ways if I can share with you so 
a few years ago, we did share what the targets were. And I did go through, because to your point, not everyone understands, I guess, numbers and the way they work. And so I went through and sort of explained really top line, like you've got to take out the GST, we've got to factor in the cost of the product, here's the marketing, postage, et cetera, et cetera. And kind of here's what's left at the end, that's our profit to reinvest. But I do feel that if you don't have any financial literacy, your eyes glaze over and all you see is the top line and all you think is, well, why isn't more of that coming to me? And there, there became such a, um, I don't know, a shift within the team around, you know, I guess them not having more access to, to that money. Yeah. And so then we decided to go, let's go the other way and only share it with people whose job it is to help move the needle and not anyone else. But I wonder whether... Now that we do it that way, do people feel left out and they're not quite sure? Like, how are things going? Is it good? Is it not good? Uh, yeah, I'm going to try what you said because I think perhaps that's somewhere in the middle. The other thing is profit is good. People yeah. need to know profit is good. And um, if you haven't got the means, you can't change the world. And when you're paying taxes, it's a good thing. Yes. And when people know that that money gets reinvested for their own career development, for IT, like one, back in the day, for instance, I said, I'll buy everybody a second screen if we get the this. And that was great for me because they were more productive. But yeah. so, so you know, they can see some results. I'll, be, I'll, I'll have the money to be able to say, let's go and do this. So, yeah. so profit, I, I think it's important and we have a responsibility as business owners for people to be able to, you know, understand business literacy. Top line revenue does not mean profit. Correct. Without profit, we can't change the world yes. and we can't invest in growth such as advertising. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Fantastic. I'm going to try it and I'll let you know how I go. I want to know how critical reinvention is for the for a business and, you know, do customers get bored with essentially the same product? Do you need to keep um, producing something new and shiny in order to keep them engaged or can you just have the one product and keep them interested? And if so, how would you do that? So all customers are not the same. Mm. Customer is singular and each of them will have a different relationship with you and how they feel about your business. So you're going to have customers who buy from you all the time and they are going to be looking to you for innovation, for new ideas. You're also going to have people who are only transacting with you. You happen to be there at the right place at the right time with the right product and they go tick the box and they don't necessarily want to have a relationship with you. So your job in your marketing campaigns is to, obviously you want people to be your VIPs. You want people to be your advocates. You want people to refer other clients. But your job is to use your customer relationship management tool to communicate with them differently. Wow. So just because you're getting a little bored with your product, perhaps you're going, oh, I've done it for five years, doesn't mean they have. Yeah. Consistency is everything. Also, they want to know it's you. Like sometimes people go, oh gosh, you're wearing the red dress yet again. It's because it gives them confidence that they know that it's me, you know, when I'm speaking or doing whatever else. Yeah. And it's the same with the product. They want to, when they get to your homepage, they want to know it's you. Yes. So they've been there before. So it's about brand reinforcement just because you're a little bit bored. And I know because I'm like, haven't we used that hot air balloon image before? Uh, it's not about that. It's about I'm safe here. This is where I belong. I can now navigate where I want. So change for change's sake is not good. So you need to keep things fresh for the people who love and adore you and are coming back regularly. But yep. for those uh, others who might be only transacting with you, 
you want to get them on that journey. You want to get them engaged with your own media, such as an email, but you also just need to make sure that there is a different level of intimacy that you will have in your communications. Can you transfer someone who's transactional into someone who's loyal? Absolutely. You might've just solved their problem on that day because you were quick, fast, effective in the right place. Mm. However, then you go back and say, hey, would you maybe a special offer for referring a friend or how do you get them back into your fold? Or maybe that it's kind of the predictive nature of your platform, um, which is, I know you bought this and maybe this is a service. Absolutely. You definitely want to get them back on their terms. So you don't want them to sign up for a newsletter every single week if they only want to hear from you once a month because you will exhaust them. And we always have to sit in the customer's shoes when they're overwhelmed with information why will you stand out? It's intimacy. Yeah. It's transparency. It's that you're real. I love that. I love that. Okay. What do you do when the business plateaus? So whether it's like revenue, eyeballs on site, whether it's, for example, number of customers, how do you reinvigorate it aside from advertising? Yeah. Look, and advertising is expensive and it doesn't matter which channel you use. If you're looking at Facebook or um, or Google, you know, Facebook, we had it that if people liked our page, then they were going to serve our content. They don't. Unless you're promoting it, they don't serve it. Yes. The number one way that I built the Red Balloon brand was through partnerships. Mm. So who else is already talking to your customers. So it might be the fact that the, um, let's say the banks have a particular program and you could participate in that. I know all of them have uh, our programs for either small business owners or women-led businesses and so forth. So find somebody else who's already speaking to your audience and do something together. We've found uh, in the Red Balloon brand that we have had the oddest partnerships that have been incredible. Like we did one with Cotton On. And we, so we were promoting their product and they were promoting ours. And you wouldn't think that that's a logical fit, but in fact, it was. You're looking for people who are not in your space, but could be collaborative. And one thing that I'm talking to any business owner who'll listen right now is who used to be your enemy or your competitor is now your frenemy, is now your opportunity. Because if you can coexist and do things jointly, I'll send you traffic, you send me. And I would look at some of the affiliate programs if you haven't got them. They're very sophisticated technology. You'd be surprised who could send you traffic. And the point is, there's no obligation there. If they don't send you a customer, right. you're not going to no pay cost. for it. Exactly. exactly. And are you referring to, for example, you both take a, is it just about sending traffic or do you share the revenue or a clip off, off sales? How do you do that? Actually, it might be a prize pool. It might be the fact that you're trying to increase your reach and your email database and you say, look, I've got this amazing product and I'd like to offer it to your client base. Plus, they'll get a a benefit if you send that out of a discount. Because some of them, you know, are not necessarily looking for a clip of the ticket. It's For them, it's not going to move the dial. But they've got this great audience. But many businesses, like I'm thinking of the healthcare businesses, are all looking for customer intimacy and doing a value add for the people who are paying their fees uh, every single year or month or whatever it is. And maybe if they're not, so, so look at who, where could you add value? The other thing is you get the brand association. So Mm. way back in the day, when I started doing partnerships, American Express put Red Balloon in their catalog. That is automatic brand 
uh, reach yeah, that cachet, you never right? pay for. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so you might support those promotions with some some um, paid spend. But yeah. I've seen too. It's it's hard, and I've seen too many smaller businesses spend a lot of money on advertising and not necessarily get a consistent return. Yep. yep. That's great advice. I love that. Um, Okay, this is a question about not so much the business now, but the CEOs or directors. What is the single biggest thing that the CEO or the director should work on above all else? Like everyone says work on the business, but like if you sort of break that down, is that networking? Is that marketing? Like what should we be doing? So back in the day, I did something called the Gallup Strength Finder. Mm. And it's a really great tool that you could use across your whole business. Doesn't cost much. It's kind of 50 50 bucks or something. And find out what your innate strengths are. And that's what you should be working on. So my number one strength, which is not going to surprise you, is woo, (laughs) is winning others over, which means I'm better out than in. My job is to build relationships. And I've, I've been very fortunate that on my whole journey, apart from about a year, uh, right back in the day, Gemma uh, Fastnage has been our, is our COO now. And she was always the detail in my devil. But understanding <laughs> that we had strengths and using those strengths powerfully will help guide you as to the best return on your time invested. Your time is your most precious asset. So use your strengths to the power of the business. Oh my God, I love it. Oh, Naomi. You're amazing. You are amazing. That's so fantastic. Thank you. What, I guess if I can ask you one last question, what what do you think is the biggest mistake that you see CEOs make? The biggest mistake that I often see CEOs make is that they are not prepared to dream big enough. And as such, they play in the realm of what they know today rather than what they envisage for tomorrow. And so once you understand your strengths, I want you to think about not necessarily what we call horizon three, but even horizon two. How do you want your business to look next year and the year after? And that's where you need to dream. Be prepared to make the investments in what will happen two years from now. Because if you're only working in this quarter and this immediate, you will kind of run out of runway. So one of the things that I did was create a document called the painted picture. Mm. And I did it for a three-year horizon. So that's not impossible to think through, but it's a dreaming document. And I had funny things in it too. Not all, it's not all business. It's like, you know, like I said, I want Hugh Jackman to offer to do an ad for us for free, you know, like whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I, I imagined when our logo would be on the boarding pass of Qantas when we did a promotion with them. So it was a dreaming document. And then it allowed me to put in place the stepping stones that might get us there. And by the way, we were on the Qantas boarding pass two years ago. So unreal. Yeah. So, so it's almost, if you don't prepare to dream it, it's never going to happen. And that is your job. Yes. Oh, Naomi, amazing. I knew this would be brilliant. Thank you. It's so, so my welcome. pleasure. And how much fun have we had? So much fun. So much fun. I'm going to do that Gallup um, survey and I'm going to, I mean, I kind of think I know what my strengths are, but I'm going to do it just to be sure. And I'm going to do it with my um, co-founder and sister Maha as well, because I think that's a really interesting point about only spending your time where your strengths are. That's where the greatest payoff is. So I'll let you know how I go. Fantastic. It's so wonderful to have had you on Handpicked. Thank you. Thanks, Amy.
So thanks for listening to Handpicked. You know, it is all about business. Maybe you've got a question for me. Do follow me on Apple Podcasts or um, Spotify or any of your favourite podcast networks. Also follow me on Instagram at Naomi Simpson, one word, or Twitter, Naomi Simpson, one word. Look forward to hearing from you there.